Hey, you guys doing? Welcome back to the Eat, Sleep, Race podcast. My name is Hugo. I'm joined here today with my brother, Eric, and our special guest tonight is Dave from Head Games Motorworks. I could be a brother. You could be my brother, too. I'm definitely a brother. Yeah. I look alike, you know? Yeah, definitely. We, we have a good feature. facial features, yeah. So, Dave, um, give us, uh, give our listeners a, a brief history of, of Head Games and also who you are. So I'm Dave LaCalio, and I own Head Games Motorworks. We've been in business for 20 years, 20, no, I'm sorry, 22 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so we started off as a domestic uh, headboarding company, and then we quickly progressed into doing mostly sport compact and pretty much uh, the top echelon of all the motorsports guys in the sport compact world. Awesome. Um. I've known you for a long time. the the head The head industry, or I would say, machine shop industry, is mostly geared towards everything that has to do with an engine. Um, you, in particular, kind of only specialize in cylinder heads. Is that something different, or out of the norm, or is it just kind of like? Well, it's you... definitely rare. Like most shops, I, I would say most engine shops have a cylinder head program. Um, but, and, and Head Games Motorworks is actually named Head Games Motorworks because I too thought that we could do engines and cylinder heads, put it all together and have that package. But I quickly learned that I did not want to do that. Like I did not want to build motors. I can't be one. It, I had to pick something I could be one of the best in the world at, and that definitely was not building engines. Can I do it? Yes. Can I machine it? Yes. I went to school for it. I know how to use every machine in a machine shop, but it's just not something I wanted to. You know what you're good at. Yeah, I, I really, I honed in on what I'm uh, most interested in and what I'm really good at. Right. When did you realize into into your business that, you know what, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do the complete engine package. I only want to provide the cylinder head package. Um. Well, I was... When I, I left Musi's and I had Pat Musi, Pat Musi's. Oh, so you used to work at Musi. I worked for Musi for three years, and uh, I was in charge of the cylinder head program there. And then when I left there, I got fired. Um, you got, Pat Musi fired you. Pat Musi fires everybody. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, but he would expect most people. Like if you know you're in with him, he would get mad at you and he would fire you, and then you show up the next day. Oh. But I always told him, that, like, if you're going to fire me, that's it. Like, I'm not coming back. And the day happened, and uh, I thanked him. I told him I appreciate the experience, and I left. And um, I, I just, I didn't have any place really to go, and he actually still let me work out of there. Like, I was able to. So you uh, didn't do that, what you said, he let you go, but you still... Yeah, yeah, I still came back. You're, still on, you're, on, good, you're on good terms. We're actually still friends to this day. Like, uh, Pat is actually part of the reason why it's named Head Games, because Pat used to say that my head was physically, lo- like, it's really large, and he used to call me <laughs> Head, so that my nickname at UC's was Head. And uh, oh, he would bring customers back to just say, you know, like, you ever seen a noggin on a kid like that before? <laughs> so that's how Head Games got the first part of its name. And then Motorworks was because I felt like I wanted to do engines and I was working out of like a 200 square foot room basically. And um, I'd have to just farm everything out. Like I couldn't do anything in house and that wasn't going to work for my, my business. So I had to, I had to pay for an assembler. I had to pay for a machine shop. I had to pay for all these things and I wasn't going to make that capital investment to do it myself. So I figured it's best just to leave that alone. And I made the jump into just doing cylinder heads. I feel like it's something that we could really excel at and be one of the best in the world at. That's pretty awesome. I know um, from hearing for a while, all your porters in your shop were female. Is that right? Uh, No. So head porting wise, it was always been men. Um, I had a... Tiffany still works at Head Games. Uh, she actually runs the show now. Like I don't really run it to day-to-day stuff. And uh, she would do sanding, but she would never grind. 
but she did all the machine work too. She would uh, do all the valve jobs. She was in charge of ordering parts and she basically, you know, cause back then it was um, three of us and it became two of us in like 08. And then now it's eight of us and she's always kind of ran the show. Uh, okay. She no longer machines really. Uh, once in a while she jumps out there, but that's not her mainstay. Her mainstay is in the office. So if we could just take it back a little bit, um, you mentioned Pat working with Pat Musi. Now, prior to going there, how much experience did you have, you know, machining, dealing with Ed Head? Well, I, I went to school in Houston, Texas. Okay. Um, I went to the School of Automotive Machinists, and I was there for two and a half years. And we followed the NMCA tour. Like, at, at the school, we built a uh, a drag radial car. It was an all-motor drag radial car. And... Because we were following the NMCA, it's the National Muscle Car Association. Uh, so Pat was super popular at that time right. when he ran the Pro Street stuff. And so we were seeing him all the time. That's how we kind of got a relationship. But the... And and originally, you guys, you know, we're all from Jersey, so... Exactly. Exactly. And I, I was kind of... Um, I, I can't say it was my... It wasn't my only job choice out. I also... Uh, Went for a job interview at Comp Cam, so I was going to run their NASCAR program. Um, but I just didn't really, wasn't into camshafts, and I wanted to come home. But, uh, so, for, I'm sorry, we're going to a different story. But the, the experience-wise, like, when I went to school, I got to learn how to use all the machines, and I was a director of missions there, and they would always want me to have tours. Like, they wanted to bring people on tours of the school, and the porting room was the one place that you could call for me, but I would had an excuse why you couldn't, I couldn't hear you. So I would just go in there, and that's how I kind of found my love. That was your safe haven. That was my safe haven, and I would, I would go in there and I'd pour, and then I'd flow stuff, and I would go and machine it, and uh, it just turned into, you know, sometimes we wouldn't leave the school actually. Like sometimes we'd pull all nighters and just, just there to learn, like not to do anything else. That's that's pretty. So you followed up for the NMCA stuff. What was it? The National Muscle Car Rate, uh, National Muscle Car Association. So when you followed that, um, that was like a competitive car that the school had. Yes. So we showed up at Mike Kurtz's car. Uh, Mike Kurtz had an an '87 Monte Carlo SS, and we built a small block uh, D-stroke. Uh, I don't know we all get too technical, but it's a 377 motor, all motor, uh, on a drag radial. I don't remember how fast we were back then. I want to feel like we were in the nines or so. Um, and we showed up at the first race, and we set the record for the class, and we won the race. Oh, that's, so, pretty, that's pretty good. And we're just some tech school that just shows up at a race. So it kind of pissed off a lot of the big-name uh, drag race guys that had motors in these cars like Billy Glidden and um, there was a couple other guys and they kept tearing us at, at the by the third race they started tearing us down because they wanted to know why are we that uh, much better. like how is it that like this school just comes out of nowhere yeah. and able to do that kind of, kind of doing kind of underdog story yeah and uh, they got us on some bullshit for um, it was a valve stem like we made the valve stem smaller so we can get more RPM out of it. Um, I mean, it was like something stupid. Yeah. So then, I mean, it, they so they really tore down into that motor, like oh yeah, yeah, try to figure something. every race. Yeah, and then they had to pay us every race too, because they they pay you a bounty, right? Um, and then in for the following season, we built a school car and we did a big block Chevy. At that point, uh, it was also a D-stroke. It was a D-stroke five hundred two, and we took these uh, so the ports come like. Um, they come square, so we made them like really, really big, and then we put epoxy in them, and made them oval, and and no one was doing that back then. That's out, no, so I, nobody has the time to do. It, yeah, you know, like you, you know, you're at school, you have nothing else to do. Yeah, you're just learning, and like, I'll let's just try this out. Yeah, let's just do whatever, and you have all this, all these hours that you just. I never wanted to leave because it was so cool, and you had access to like I guess the top machines, the top equipment. I wouldn't say top equipment, but we were definitely, I mean, like, you know, we had it, had a, you had everything you needed. Yeah. Yeah. Anything a machine shop has, we had to our disposal. Um, and then, uh, I went to work for Pat Busey and, um, I was kind of moonlighting with 
uh, Brian Tooley. Brian, I was dating a girl in Kentucky, and uh, Brian Tooley is, uh, at the time, he was kind of taking over the Ford market. And you might hear of Brian Tooley racing now because he's, like, huge in the Chevy market. But back then, he was he's a Ford guy. He was a Ford guy. Okay. And um, I was over there, and because of how popular Pat is, when the NMCA Tour went to Bowling Green, he heard all about me working at this guy's place, and he fired me. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> I, and then I went looking for a job, and then, like, nobody wanted to... I just felt like nobody wanted to give me any money. Like I was looking at working at Holly, like Pat tried to get me in with Holly uh, because we were doing all the development work for Holly at, at Musi. So like, he was like, oh, I'll get you a job there. And then that kind of, that was not going to work for me. So right. I ended up, uh, I just started Head Games Motorworks. So what would you say helped you get on the map? Like what would, what did Head Games do to make it to kind of like- Right, what, what, what did the beginnings look like? So when I worked for Pat, we were building a uh, a Chevy Silverado for the Sheik of Bahrain, uh, Abdullah Hamid, and he's my age, and I'm 46 now, I think. That's it. I don't. I think we're around the same age. Whatever it is. So anyway, we're around the same age, and the guy was cool as hell, and we became friends, and um, so when I when I left Musi's. You know, it was uh, right around, it was July, I guess. And then September 11th happened, 2001. And I heard that the the Sheik of Bahrain was in New York. So I give him a call on the cell phone, like, hey, man, you're you're here. And he's like, no, that's my brother. And, you know, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm thinking about, what, like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. He's like, let me, let me introduce you to somebody. So he had this guy, uh, from, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but anyway, he had him drive down to me. He took me up to our Arslanian shop, uh, Bullish Motor Racing, um, and they were building two Toyota Solaras, and they asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And I said, well, I'm not really into imports, like I'm a domestic guy, but it's two door cars. I'm in. And then they showed me the roster of, like, people who were racing, and I saw, um, you know, some domestic guys that I knew. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. So we showed up. Probably like Matt Scranton and all of Exactly. Matt Scranton was on there. And then Matt yep. Scranton ran the NMCA. He had a Mustang yep. that was like undefeated. So I'm like, oh, this dude's like, I feel he's the top, top tier stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he was building two cars. And I said, I would, I'd be willing to be a part of it. We showed up at 15 races and we won 13 of the 15 races, qualified number one. And it really just put head games on the map at that moment for two Jay-Z's, but the internet really wasn't there. There was no internet back then. There was like, I mean, it was there, but not to the extent, like. No, so like when guys say, uh, so th to give an example, uh, to get in the Honda market, I opened up the phone book and I called Impo Performance and I talked to Sav Leone and I was like, are you guys looking for a cylinder head guy? And he said, yes, we are. And then he's racing at Dopey and, it, you know, he's doing all this stuff. And we won some championships there, too. But that was all from a phone book. And the other one was from a phone call. It wasn't right. like, you know, I posted something on Facebook or Instagram and it, or MySpace, I guess it would be, right, from back then. But I didn't have any of those things to do. To it's all word of mouth. Yeah. And also, do you, like, um, again, we're, we're going back on this, you know, just working on Cylinder Head. I often think, in especially on the import side, you know, nobody was even thinking about the cylinder head back then. You know, I, I feel like, you know, when I started getting into cars, you know, all my friends, we were, no one talked about cams, no one talked about stuff. Unless you were doing like the all-motor car in, in a Honda or something, everyone wants like, you know, Totas and these higher revving cams. Everyone was just, you know what, we're going to make power, we're going to throw a turbo on, throw as much boost as we can at it, and, you know, pray. There, well, there wasn't many parts available. Right. There was really nothing available at the time. So, like, when I got involved, the first thing I noticed was, uh, you know, I would be competing against, well, John Lingenfelter was racing in our class, but, like, if I stayed in the domestic side, I have to compete with Pat. I have to compete with John Lingenfelter. I have to beat or or compete with these guys who are, like, in it for 30-something years or right. have such a name. There is nothing 
like that going on in the sport compact world. There's nobody really, there were some guys that were doing it and some of them are still doing it, but there was not a lot of talent there. And I felt like I brought the talent of grinding. There wasn't like, not that I was unmatched, but like I was one of very few people. You understood the science behind it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'd say you were unmatched. Don't, don't, you know, say yourself short. Well, I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm saying I'm one of the <laughs> best, you know? So like, you're good I, at what you do. I'm good. I know that I'm good at what I do, but I'm not going to say I'm the best. Absolutely not. But at the moment, I could see that at least I knew in our area, there really wasn't much of that going on. Uh, there really wasn't anybody who would uh, compete with me locally. There was a lot of people on the West Coast where it kind of started, but there really wasn't anything here. Now, also being from Jersey, we had the, I mean, we were lucky enough to have some pretty big companies um, valve train companies, um, engine, just engine part companies that were close, close by, like Manly was out here. Um, yeah, Manly's still here, but well, I mostly dealt with Ferreira, uh, at the moment, uh, down back then it was, um, I actually couldn't purchase their stuff. We were at ACO and I went up to, to John and Nelson and I was like, you know, the fastest cars here all have my cylinder heads on it and I can't purchase your parts. Like, I'm not direct with you, you know? So they were like, we're going to change that. And they, they like brought me under their wing and we developed a lot of parts together and we did stuff for the 2JZ. We did stuff for the Honda. We did a lot of, uh, research and development because we can try things on these cars that are making gobs of power. And if anything fails or doesn't fail on that, you know, that it's going to be a good product for the end consumer. And, a lot of that has not changed. I mean, we still do that. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. As far as um, going back to the the whole Bahrain thing, how did your the, your involvement with Ara Ara is a huge name? Um, did that also help you? That, like, this is just stri- because Ara's program was strictly developed after he was a streetcar. Then from there, he got you know sponsorship money. They came out with a two car team. Um, we talked about this in our previous podcast of the importance of having more than one car, um, how how do you think that helped his program be so much better than the other than the competition? Ira's program actually, so he started it with his own money. Uh, it was bullish motor racing, and then he got that streak low. Right. Um, that was, a, you know, like, I think it was the next year. I could I could be mistaken. So when he had the two Solaris, that was still him. That was still him, yeah. When they were yellow. Like the yellow, they're the white, white, yellow, white, yellow. Had like the bull on the side of it. Yeah. yeah, that was all him. And then, really, I don't think anything changed. Um, it just meant that somebody else was paying the bill. No, so like, well, as far as like um, just having the two cars for um, element of like taps, like you know, getting the cars down faster. Like, all right, like, hey, maybe I don't, I don't know if he had two different style cylinder heads, but at that point, you know, you could have had one with you know this cam or this setup and another one with a different setup to see like how they would before we absolutely did a lot of testing um and then it was when we do a lot of testing you really rely heavily on a tuner to give some feedback because we're directly related to air air and fuel right so how much more air how much more fuel you're gonna have to add it into it or take out of it because of whatever we're doing with it uh, how much timing are you going to put into it? So when we got to work with George Iwanu, uh, he was the tuner of that. That was uh, that was very instrumental to have two cars because now you had not only can we try different things, but you had to beat both cars to get into the final round, and nobody was doing that. Right. So like we had double the chance of setting that record or what have you. We had all that data to to get it and there were seven engines on rotation i did them all i did all the cylinder heads for free i did 16 of those for free just to get my foot in the door to get a sticker on the car and there was many all-nighters because there's two cars like you know there was um i was young so like multiple all-nighters just trying to port the head trying to get make a race sometimes i would have to go up there and sleep at their shop and um, I had to really be thirsty for the success that we were getting 
because there was a lot of effort that went into that. And I think even, you know, you speak on the effort and how, you know, you would pull all-nighters. I think you still do that to this day. I mean, you know, we talk randomly about stuff and you just tell me, hey, I just came back from Granis's place and I was there all weekend helping him with a, with an issue. And, you know, he was, he's close by, but he's not like, it's away. Yeah, now he's now he's in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I just yeah. hear the stories of the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, and I think that that probably helps equate to some of your success because you are, you're that guy. Like, hey, I'm in I'm in a jam. I know I got to call this guy, and he's and he's probably more than likely going to come and help me and save and save me. It's hard to beat somebody who uh, refuses to give up, and who is. Uh, they're not gonna out. You're not gonna outwork me, you know. Like I'm gonna put the work in. I don't. Um, a lot of people will. They kind of chicken out at that stuff, you know. Like when it becomes an effort or it becomes in- inconvenient, they don't want to do that. But racing has taught me, because like uh, you'll see this when you go to the track that there is so many people that like pull all nighters at the track. They're also there, you know pulling motors and transmissions a lot of they're building stuff like on the concrete laying on the ground all night yeah. oh yeah at world cup it's cold as hell and it's they're cold sometimes it's raining and that being around that community um i feel like i i kind of fit there because that's that's your vibe it's my vibe like i i'm you're just knocking out feel at home you feel at home i feel at home absolutely you know and and, and you know I mean, I obviously we know each other personally. I feel like you've helped people that you don't even, they're not even your customers. You don't even do business with them. And I've heard of, you know, people being in a jam and they're like, you know, I see on the internet, hey, does someone have such and such? And they're like, oh, call Dave. Yeah. Or hit up Dave, hit up Head Games. Like, you know, I, I've heard of you doing, you know, overnight machining on some heads to, there was get uh, them back into you know yeah for the drift and, guy and, for the drift and drift like that came around the town like that yeah they're like random guys like hey yeah uh, the, can anybody and it was like oh there's a guy named Dave yeah showing him the shop at midnight and like <laughs> if you be real nice <laughs> to him yeah and pet his cat he'll own <laughs> he might get you squared away yeah but I you know and and those guys uh you know funny thing is that I've never really poked anybody's eyes out on that either like I don't charge. Yeah, for doing that stuff. It's just because I want to do it. I think that's just your love for the motorsports and just yeah. for the competition. That's because right. I eat, sleep, and race it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I like what you did there. I like what you did. I like that you threw that in there. Yeah. I mean, it. it but it really, it's a, I think to be a part of it, right? So like I, my horsepower is my religion. Like I, I'm, I'm so deep that you can't get it out of me. Right. Like I, I think about it all day. I'm, you know, at night, um, I drag race. I have like a drag racing game. That's what I do at night to relax. Like I don't. <laughs> it's still in you. It's still in me. It's not even like I'm gonna go do this. Like, no, no, I do nothing else but cars. And I, I know it affects some people around me because they get upset that like I don't go on vacations unless usually there's cars involved. Like a race, like a race or something, you know. Uh, uh, We're gonna get you to do that. You need to do some vacations. I probably need to. But Crystal will probably I'm, appreciate that. I'm, I love you, Crystal. I know. I know. She she always says it. She got me to go on one, and then there was like a jeep thing going on. Popped on over. Yeah, like, I like this. She can't get away from it, you know. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like, I don't like jeeps, but I was out there looking at jeeps. <laughs> Look at these tires. Yeah. Yeah, some big, big ass tire. That's just not me. But I mean, I don't know, you have to, uh, to to be anybody in what we do, um, or at least what I do. Like you have to just dig deep, and you can't let it go. You have to do it all. So we've been talking a lot about just you know personal experiences and you know a little bit of business, but for the general audience of porting. Without going super crazy, what would you explain porting to a child? What are the goals when when you're doing a port? Yeah, like why why would someone say saying I'm still I'm getting hyper focused on that. So <laughs> so the, a very uh, intelligent child. I'm redesigning where air and fuel meets inside of an engine, mm-hmm. and then 
uh, we're also redesigning how the flame travel is in the combustion chamber. Like we, we're going to change all that. What are the goals when, uh, you do a head port? Like what were the ideal goals that you're hoping to achieve? Cause I think some people always be like, oh, I want the biggest port I, to make the most power. I want the biggest port, smooth exhaust. This is, and, and that's not really true because it's a bunch of hogwash. I've learned a lot from it's a lot of marketing. Just, right? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, like I've learned a lot from you just talking. You're like, well, yeah, look, like if you're not flowing your heads, how do you know that this big port is actually doing what you think it's doing? Yeah, so like on the on the flow bench, the bigger you make it, the more obviously it's going to flow, but it's like where does it flow good at is what I'm looking for. So like you can make a port gigantic and if you're only trying to I, I think most people look at the high number or like the biggest number on a flow bench or like a um, a flow sheet and that's like the least favorable number that you want to look at because your engine or your valve is going to go up and down twice right so it's going to go up and down and then you have everything in the middle is more Important. the meat and bones yeah. than the peak or the stop, you know? So you, you really need to concentrate more on like the area under the curve versus just a peak number. Right. Where everybody looks at this peak number. So they're putting big valves in it. They're doing all this stuff. And like a big valve, most heads for what most people are doing is going to hurt the setup. It's going to, it's going to decrease torque. It's going to make the car slower. It's going to make it laggier. Because I'm going to try not to get technical here. I apologize. <laughs> but like, so it's like, say the cam has nine millimeter lift. Um, the oversized valve will start flowing. It's most like it starts really coming on around nine millimeter. So everything that you, and it kills it below that. Whereas a stock size valve is going to stop flowing good at nine millimeter. So like really where... There's no gain there. There's only losses. Right. And people overcam it. They do all these things. They make the port real big. And if you're making under a thousand horsepower, you really, the cylinder heads are so good nowadays that you can do minor things, pick up airflow, and just make it more reliable versus big ports and all the other stuff. So in this case, bigger is not always better. It's never better. I've never seen a case where it's better. I've never seen a dimple port out beat me, you know, out, out, you know, like they're the dimple port is really funny because only one machine does it. Like, I mean, I guess you could do it if you had a pick, but I don't really know. It, it's a, it's a gimmick that started in the sixties. And I guess if we had carburetors, I'd be more about it, but we don't have a carburetor. So you're not really worried about atomization. That's what, it, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, so I, I've never really understood the premise behind like the logic of it. Yeah. And, and in modern, so, in modern, in a modern setup. Yeah. Like, uh, so the Rottler CNC is the only one that does it. And that's for good reason. Right. Like if it was that badass, everybody would be doing it. Like, oh, Centroid would do it. DMGs would do it. Like every machine would do it. They're like, oh, we have to have this. And, and you're talking about a, uh, like a CNC actual machine do you use i know for the longest you don't really do a lot of cnc stuff i know i know you've got your port designs and stuff digitized now but up until pretty recently you were still do everything by hand right i was doing everything by hand um i've recently so we also used to do like every cylinder head under the sun and now we don't now we concentrate on we're just gotten so busy that we can't facilitate that anymore it takes a lot out of me because i'm the only guy uh we used to have another head head grinder but like i'm the only guy now who's porting heads and i'm also the only one that could problem solve an r&d project like that right and that's just too much so we concentrate on just the ones that we can do the most of which is so so what is your current like um i guess make and model of cylinder head that you guys do uh, the most that we do is the Subarus. Number one is our Subaru. Number two is two JZ. Um, 
We do a lot of Nissan stuff, like the RBs are pretty popular, BMW, S55, B58, um, Dodge Viper. We do a lot of, we do all the heads for Calvo. Um, Shout out to Antonio, another Jersey native. Hey, hey, Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, we uh, actually, I met Antonio way before, um, way before all this stuff. Like he was, because he's from West Windsor, he's right from around the corner from me, and it brought me a Nissan head, a 300ZX head, which we don't work on anymore, but that's where he started. Yeah. And I got him a job at Full Race, and then uh, helped him get a job over at... um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Cobb? Uh, well, he got the job at Cobb. Okay. But, um, yeah, I helped him, like, I helped him into the industry, and we still good friends, and, you know. Solid guy? He's a solid guy. Yeah, a little crazy, but, you know, he's solid. I think everyone in this industry has, there's not, um, sane. Some are a little, just a little bit more insane. Yep. Or like different a different levels. kind, yeah. different kinds different of insane levels. Yeah, like if people actually got to know me, they might think I'm a little insane too. But I know you. You um, when I asked Dave, hey, like you want to be on the podcast? First thing he asked me was, "Can I bring my cat?" And I said, "Ah, I rather not." I'm a little allergic. Like right now, I'll probably be sitting here with you know, eyes red. So I'm a recent uh, cat owner now because uh, my oh. girl, my girlfriend has a cat. I've never had a cat in my life. Um, what the change? I'll say, <laughs> uh, I'll say this. Uh, I'm sold. She has a great cat. She's chill. Cool. She's a little fat black cat. So, black cats are especially cool. <laughs> they are. They they are very cuddly. And uh, I'm on my second. Um, oh, what do they call them? The cats. I mean, they're like baby pumas, but they actually have like a a name to them. Oh, you got me there. I have yeah. no idea. That's the problem with getting old. See, I can't remember words, like simple words. I just can't remember that. Yeah, it's a cat. I don't know the name. So, just to get back on topic, because, you know, shout out to cats, but it's the sleep race right now. Um, you mentioned that you're you're the only one doing the uh, grinding and, like, head porting or whatever. Uh, I know porting is a craft. It's a very, like, tight balance between art almost i'd say and you know science of it the logic of it the the concept of the airflows and everything that you're working on how's it been trying to find i guess other head porters and competent workers and people to bring on to take a little bit of the workload off you that's uh the most difficult part is you know like uh i think it is an artwork because you're carving aluminum with a metal grinder right. that ice pickers, oh, like ice sculptors use as well. So, like, um, it's really hard for, say, if Picasso, like, Picasso had like a big job, like, he's not gonna hire another Picasso. Right. You know, they're just, they're just, it's just not the same. So, it's really difficult to find somebody like that. Now, we can say that we found something like that in a CNC machine so we can digitize it, but it still is a dummy and it doesn't know, it knows where the cylinder head should be, but it doesn't like, there's no feel. Well, um, so sometimes I get ports back and like half the ports not ported and I have to go in there and I have to blend it by hand. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't have to do that if I hand ported it. Or it's done one shot. It's done one shot because I know where the port is. But people are like, well, um, CNC machine is more precise. And, I'm, and my argument to that is it'd be more precise if we're making widgets or we're making billet cylinder heads. Like then it's every one is the same. But in this instance, we're dealing with an imperfect part. Right. And it never is the same ever. So there's still some artwork. There's still some like you... Finishing touches. The finishing touches, which are easier to find somebody who can figure that out. that too. Yeah, I'm currently trying to teach two of my employees how to take over that part of my job. That's awesome. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, what would you recommend for someone who wants to become the next Dave? Like, what can he do to try and gain the experience and knowledge to try and get to that level? Because obviously, you can't do it forever. There has to be a yeah come next coming of a new generation yeah you know so like what would you 
say to someone who's very interested or has goals to to get to that level and like how can you get there uh the biggest thing that helped me was going to school the did i leave there with the experience of being able to really port a cylinder head um you know looking back no mm-hmm. uh because when i went when i went to my first day at muc's they're all making fun of me of like how i ground you know how I grind stuff like they, they thought i sucked but the and they really helped me hone my craft i worked under some really good guys that taught me how to port but going to the school of automotive machinists is really what took me to the next level because it gave me food for thought i learned so much there it's the foundation that that really have to yeah i mean i still hold it to this day i saw things um you know like we built a turbo buick there and we we made the heads too big and that's where i learned that i didn't want the biggest port for anything i was working on because it made it lazy like I learned that way back then. And then I also picked up many friends who were like-minded that like my one friend, Dan, he works for McLaren, not the car, but like McLaren racing. And at McLaren, they put a smaller valve in one of their race programs and the car picked up. And I was with Saf Leone and we tried smaller valves in his Honda and it picked up. And that's how we... Kind of the opposite of what everyone, you know, what everybody else was doing, would think would be like, "Hey, this is this is going to take me to the next level." Yeah, and it was actually the complete opposite. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were doing. Like, we were going oversized. We we're doing all this stuff that now is like, I won't do it because I learned. You already know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I went through that experience, but I wouldn't have experienced any of that if I had not gone to the school and really. Um, I mean, but if I didn't apply myself, and that's what it really took, it was uh, when I when I was young, I got in a lot of trouble, not only in school, but with the law. And when I went to school, the owner of the school saw that I was a talented person, like I was a smart person, but I wasn't applying myself. And he took me under his wing and he said, I'm going to give you a job here and you're going to do it. And I did. And that's what it really took. Like, you can't be half-assed about it. And a lot of people are going to be half-assed. They play small with their talents. Mm-hmm. Like, they might be talented. I see this every day where somebody's like, crazy good at whatever they do. And then they do nothing with it. Waste of potential. Waste of that's potential. Story of a lot of people, you know. A lot of people. So, like, to be me, you can't waste your potential. To beat me, you can't waste your potential. You know, and I'm all about it. I'm all about seeing somebody, you know, because when you are a successful person and that I'm not successful in a financial sense, but I think, you know, in the headporting side, I, I feel like we've proven my ideas and my designs. I feel like all that's proven itself over and over again that I lost my (laughs) choo-choo. I totally lost my (laughs) choo-choo. I scratched my face and I like totally lost my jujitsu. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think we know where you're getting at. Particularly in your field, it's something that kind of like you said has to get taught. So it has to be taught to you because you can teach someone. You can someone can learn the the idea and the the um concepts, the concept of you know what head porting is and this, and learn about flow. But there's stuff that that you know that you can't get taught. You know. It's it's more of experience, like, like you said, when you worked with Musi, you worked with a couple guys that you know kind of taught you their ways and how they did stuff and why they're doing it. Because everybody, again, we can all sit here with a grinder and you know go 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 ham with the cylinder head, but what are we doing? Why am I making this shape the way it is? So I was gonna bring up my YouTube because I bring, I put a lot of content out on the YouTube. And on my Instagram about how to port something, not necessarily like how to port it, right? But like how to make the shapes, the broad sense, the broad sense, yeah. right? You make it look easy. You're, you're one of those guys I watch on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Like then the I go Bob, in the garage. The Bob Ross, the Bob Ross, the, <laughs> the Bob Ross. The difference is I go in the garage and do what Dave does, and my shit come out crazy. But if you did it every day <laughs> for 
30 or 40 hours a week or maybe more, it might come out badass. In all, in all our podcasts, we always talk about advancement of materials and also like just shit that we didn't see from back then to now. And I think right now in our space, it's kind of the, um, everything's billet. Like we're breaking everything that's cast. We're breaking everything that's, you know, OEM stuff. So now it's, you know, leaning towards the billet side. And I know a few years ago, the big craze, especially in the super world was the 2JZ billet cylinder head. Cause the blocks are kind of proven now. There's a couple companies out there that, you know, got that down packed, making um, great power, blasting, not splitting them. And I think the last missing link was the cylinder head. And uh, I kind of heard a lot about it for a few months, maybe even like like a season. And then it kind of like started fading away. And I know you were working on some. You want to touch on that? I could touch on it a little bit. I don't want to upset anybody, but um, at least on our side, it was a complete failure. So they, they sent us a billet cylinder head, came from the Middle East, and... They, I didn't know where to put valve to guy clearance. I didn't know what was good for the cylinder head because these are important information. That's important information for you to know, uh, especially because we're talking about materials. So we don't know how that material expands or contracts. And um, if it's the first time dealing with it, you want to know from the manufacturer how you can use it. And they couldn't really offer me any information they said, just do what you normally do. So I did what I normally do. And the head would, with well, the valve would hold open at like 900 feet. It would just hold the valve open because the valve to guy clearance would close up and hold the valve. Um, so they said I needed to open up the valve guy clearance. But once I looked at the head, like the seats were all beat in, um, I felt like the head's actually soft. So it really doesn't matter what I do for clearance wise, it was going to be have some various. It's going to warp. It's going to fail. Yeah. It's just going to fail. It's beating the valve. Once it starts beating the seat in, we're, we're looking at a soft casting and, um, I don't, and, and it was their kind of first time too. So like, we're all kind of learning. Everyone's together. learning. Yeah. I felt like when you're learning with, you know, it's like anything you, you want to have a like-minded people together, right? So if you're learning together and you're sharing information and you're um, you're working as a team, then great things can happen. But that's not what I was met with. I was met with uh, finger pointing and people, and he said, you know, that company said, oh, yeah, we take it back. We're, we're going to show you up. And I'm like, well, I know you're not. So you can take it, take it back and you do it. So they Spent a bunch of money, and um, the, well, the customer spent a bunch of money, got the cylinder head back, and it made it another 200 feet with all their stuff. So, um, but Cody Phillips, actually, he took his cylinder head to a local guy. They went in there, and they um, they ground out, like, where the water goes. So the water is, like, pretty much the lifeline of that cylinder head, and they were able to open up the channels enough and they opened up the valve to guy clearance enough where it works. It worked. Now it, he made 14 hits with it and the car is still running. He went 680s with it. I mean, I don't think he's gone any faster with the villa head, but, or actually even longer than the billet within the cast head. The 2JZ is a totally different animal where. I mean, it's kind of an anomaly. Like, what else can you think of that you can make almost 2,500 horsepower of a yeah. such a small motor, mm -hmm. 100 pounds of boost, 400 shot on Icarus? That's a lot for a cast head to take. But the problem we were having is that the head would come off the block and it'd be like a banana. Mm -hmm. You know, it would, it would warp up. And so the billet head's not doing that. And that's the, that's the key. That's the key. Now, we... I've, I was burnt out from my experience, so I have turned down at doing any of that. I did have a bullet from Bullet Blocks. They make the blocks for, they send us a billet head. And I wasn't exactly excited about the ports, but he seemed very eager to work 
with us and we're I can't say actively working on it, but like we are it's, it's in the pipeline. It's, it's in the pipeline development. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh much easier to deal with. We we you know, he'll share whatever information I need. Yeah. That's where I really need it's a collaborative yeah. effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, so you do see uh more more billet cylinder heads, I guess, you know, coming down the pipeline. I see not not just here. not just in two J Z, but you know, across the board for I mean obviously there's already billet heads for domestic on a domestic side. Yeah. You know, for the for those motors, but I, I feel like we're at that point in sport compact where that's pretty much the next evolution of, you know, what's gonna take the sport to the next level. I believe that were because now that Dart got involved, like Dart made a block. I'm really hoping that Dart brings out a cylinder head. Like there was Honda aftermarket cylinder heads back in the early two thousands. You know, like Elderbrock made one, but Javier shot that down. He said we couldn't have that. Back then, we could actually, um, Venom brought up building a bill ahead, and Ara shot that down, and so did, and so did Javier. Uh, just so everybody knows, Javier Ortega was the head of an Array Sport Compact, so, uh, and Ara was one of the faster guys in the class, and he didn't want to spend the money on it. Um, they wanted to do everything with a cylinder, you know, like a factory cylinder head. Looking back, that was the right choice because the cylinder heads were already, like, we were only making 1,400. Yeah, 1,500. Mm-hmm. We weren't making any big power. Um, you know, and that whole combination, I probably would have been completely different if I would have done it today. But the the evolution, hopefully, is to get a casted head that doesn't have water in it and that we could use that. That's what I would like to see. I don't know if that's going to actually happen, but um, you know, in the far, perfect world, perfect race. In a perfect world, I'd like to see that. If it goes billet, that's pretty cool too, because um, I think that when somebody smart builds a cylinder head, they can they can make it any way they want to. Then it's going to be a game changer. Yeah. Um, I would love to learn how. I don't know how to do that stuff, but if I could learn how to make a cylinder head, I feel like I could make uh, a ringer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not we're not there yet. Have you worked with the OE? Like, oh no, I wish that would be cool. Hit me up. <laughs> Hit me up, Ford. But you know what, though, Ford. Uh, the, you know, speaking of the Ford program, uh, so Ford is directly across from Faria Booth at PRI, and they displayed. For Faria had a uh, an EcoBoost head that I did. On display, usually there is a some kind of head game cylinder head in that booth, and I did the combustion chamber, and it's uncanny how close that combustion chamber was on the three five eco boost to the Raptor. Like it was almost the same. Mm-hmm. It was almost like some engineer walked over and he said, "Man, that's, that's cool. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm gonna go do that." Or some guy was just me. There was like a me over there. It was like, that thing sucks. And we need to make that better because the EcoBoost combustion chamber is terrible. Like, I can't even believe that <laughs> there was a guy there that said, man, I'm proud of that. And I'm going to put that out there. And just, somebody needed to kick him in the front butt. <laughs> um, I know I know you do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, especially with on a performance side. And you've been in development with, you know, different parts uh, material, um, and in mostly valve train stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, stuff stuff involved with the valve trade. Like, how how good of a feeling is that for you that you're working with such big companies that still call you for input into into these different projects that that, that they have going on? Uh, I mean, I don't. I guess like I don't have an ego about it because I feel like it's the change I want to see, right? I'm only voicing, I'm from Jersey. So like, you're going to hear my opinion (laughs) and I'm not going to hold back. And that's a, we're dealing with people who are not Northeastern people. And if whoever's watching us doesn't know how we are, we're a little different. We'll hurt feelings. We'll do whatever it is to 
Like if you ask for an opinion, you're going to hear it. And um, it feels good because I can, you can definitely tell who is innovative and who is not. Right. So I'm an innovative person. I'm always thinking about making something better. I can look at anything. We can walk around the shop and I could see how things could be better. Like I'll look at lines and I, it's just where my mind goes. So when you deal with other manufacturers, um, the only issue that I've seen is the same thing I was saying about the billet head is that you have to be aligned with the right people. They have to have the same principle. They have to have the right, um, they have to have the right, um, like end goal, the right end. Well, not only the end goal, but like they're, they, they have to have the right mindset that they're going to improve on something and they're going to listen. They're going to try to be better. Not just like, Hey, I'm going to make this and it's to figure out how to make it better. Yeah. Or they just throw it out there and that's it. Yeah. And I'm only talking about measurements. So like things that a lot of things that I improve upon, uh, besides camshafts, like Greg from GSE and I work very closely on camshafts. So, so we did a lot of development together on the two JZ side on camshafts and it, it was amazing because like some of the stuff that I'd been getting custom made is now on the shelf and, and then he took it uh, next, you know, the next step over and we did methanol cams and we did all this stuff and it was all from just working together and wanting to make something better. And he and I work really well together, but I've had other companies that I dealt with or, uh, I've been accused, you know, I, I guess like threatened to sue me because like I'm thinking or saying out loud things that are wrong with their product and things that like could easily be measured. Like you could just walk out to the, to their shop and they could just take a Harbor freight caliper and measure something not complaining about and change it. But instead they look at me as a complainer. They get defensive, like, no, very def- ours is perfect. You you figure out some way around that. Yeah. Versus we we can change. solve the problem. Yeah. Solve the problem, you know, or prove me wrong. Yeah. So tell me I'm wrong, but show me I'm wrong. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with losing, right? And they should be too. But a lot of ego is a part of our community uh, because we're a bunch of dudes. <laughs> and they don't want to hold on to that. They're afraid to lose. They're afraid to, to be shown up like that. Right. Um. But it really, whenever you, you deal with somebody who is like-minded, um, it feels really like you, you found the best friend. You know, it's like any kind of relationship. And you go in through these, you guys have been with girls that, that like don't want to be on your team, right? They're always trying to pull you a different direction. They're always like, they're kind of a, they're not an asset anymore. They're a, a liability. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes they don't start off that way. Right. Sometimes it starts good and ends bad, and sometimes starts good and just gets better. Yeah. And I would say sometimes that manufacturing relationship gets sick, you know, and it and it becomes an, uh, uh, I've had it many times. It be, it turned into something that was a liability, and I lost customers right. over something that I said or, you know, nothing changed, and I just had to walk away. Right. And how do you, Especially nowadays, um, with the internet and you know everybody is an expert at everything. Um, how do you stay out of the out of that conversation, or do you kind of engage in it, or do you just sit back and kind of just read and like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's talking about? Like, especially like you know, there's a lot of comments I see online too. Like, you know, people will post something, um, and you know, you, then you got a whole slew of people just either bashing them, supporting them. It's, it's kind of hard. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? It depends on how dumb they are, <laughs> I guess. Like if, you know, if somebody's really stupid and they're in the industry, I'm going to say something. Cause their voice can, can be heard and go a little further than yeah, they're like they're, Joe Schmo in the back. Like they're harming my customer. Right. You know, they're, they're making my customer doubt me and I'm not going to let you freewheel that. I'm going to go out and, you know, like I've, I'm trying to be kind here, but no, I mean, we don't have to go into names or anything, but it just, it's just, I feel like, you know, especially now, even in, in what we do and everybody else, there's always a basher. There's always a, yeah. a, um, I know it on, it says that, you know, 
you don't need to go to head games. You can go to such and such and they do just as good of a job. But is that could be true. That could be true. Right. But, but you know, but you know that it it's it's more of like the hey, you don't really know what you're talking about as far as the depth of it. You're just you're just on there commenting. Do you let that get to you or Yeah, what's like when an internet professor, you know, uh, you know, regurgitate something about, you know, how this flows or how, how much you should be taking off. Like, yeah. do, do, do you even engage? Well, you have to. Yeah. Do you know why you have to? And you, you know, I learned, Gary V taught me this. You got to kill them with kindness. Because the reality is that you engage in that conversation, you get more posting on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your YouTube. You work the algorithm. Right? You're working that. And you don't have to engage, like, you don't have to be at their level mm -hmm. because they're obviously dumb, right? Like, if they're making some things that they say are like, you way out of the world. Like, you are over there. I had one the other night, the guy, I went on this page. I had to see, like, what is this dude do for a living? <laughs> and there was like a bunch of pictures of him playing in a band and a guitar. I'm like, you don't do what I do. You don't, you, you, you can't do what I do. <laughs> But will I talk to you? Absolutely. But how confident was his post? It almost sounded like he does it every day, right? He is the man. He has been doing it for longer than me, and he's better than me. He is out there just waiting to take my job. But I, I was all about talking to him, and and I've had people say like, "Hey, games, like you know, because they're not knowing it's me." But uh, head games, why would you engage? And I'm like. This is the algorithm, bro. Like, you have to engage. You have to talk. They, you know, Facebook and Instagram want to see that you're engaging with your your audience, whether it's positive or negative. And actually, the negative stuff makes more money. Oh, always. Always. I did a video on um, doing combustion chambers on a Subaru uh, because some guys take a 2.0 block that has, I don't remember the bore size uh, off the top of my head, but, like, say it's an 87 millimeter bore, and then they put on a 90 millimeter bore. Again, round numbers for all you internet know-it-alls. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the right answer. So you can't run that size combustion chamber on both blocks. So people open it. This is a very common practice. All I was doing is, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I was just showing how I do it. That thing, there were so many people MFing me on that, like how I ruined it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what you're doing. That thing made me $600. Them all tell me how I was doing something wrong that I was totally doing right. Yeah. And I was all right with it. Cause like, and I engaged in it, but I didn't get mad. You just can't get mad. Yeah. You know, people get mean. Yeah. People get mean. Thankfully, I'm not like a, you know, they're not talking about how other. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not going to be that guy, but, you know, they could talk how fat I am or whatever. But, like, if you're going to engage me, you better come, with, me with, come, come with some, yeah, yeah. Come you better have some experience, yeah. some, some numbers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to, um, well, I'd say engage me to win, but, like, even if it would, they went personal, um, you know, I, it's the internet, I'm a funny guy. Like, you better come up with something <laughs> good or you're going to get trash bro yeah. like it's gonna be good so i say like you don't have to worry about um because they say more that says more about them than it does about you it totally does i i, I would have to agree i think we're getting to to the end of this podcast all uh, this year well i'm sure i'm sure you'll be back for another episode i wanted to touch on something real quick so we've talked about you know, a lot of good times, innovations, and things that you were able to achieve uh, with head games. Um, but as with all businesses, there's ups, there's downs. What are some of the challenges you see running a, a machine shop or, a, you know, motor workshop? There's so many challenges um, financially as well. Like who your president is, is actually it actually affects everybody, right? Like I knew when Obama part two came into office, like I knew that they were going to attack, like the EPA was going to come full force. I knew because Obama was all about that. And now Obama part two is here. And now you see what's going on. 
like they're the whole shift into electric and uh all that stuff like that that really uh it threatens a business that you've been into it for 20 years the entire industry everything you know i almost lost everything i owned in 08 i'm familiar with like the ups and downs of being in business and it's not easy and it and like it's a really um it's probably the toughest thing i've ever done but i'm unemployable so i can't like go and get a job you know like i think i would get fired again (laughs) but the i I think i touched on one of them was like you know who's who you're in partners with like if you're going to have people um you know like manufacturers you're going to deal with they need to be on the same page as you they definitely need to be on your team and you need to especially if you're going to play in my arena like my level i guess you would say uh, which is many shops like us. Mm-hmm. Um, not many, I should say, but there's quite a few of us that are top tier and we need like-minded people to be there. And employees are really hard to get, like trying to train people. I think everybody deals with that. But when you're in a specialized field, it gets even harder right. because you can't just hire somebody who's from Walmart. Yeah, you can't look at a resume like, oh yeah, this sounds good. Yeah, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I have, I have, you know, Tiffany came up, but she was, she's been working with me since she was 18. She's in her thirties, right? She runs the place, but like, she's been there for the whole time. Right. Um, but I don't think I could get another one. Like I couldn't get another her and I couldn't get, we've been through some employees and they've, some have been great, but, um, it's just been tough to like train somebody in a really specialized field. And then you always have to deal with the the financial end of that and you have to deal with um, customers that are not as bright as you would hope. And, you know, I would imagine customers is, is tough because, you know, you're dealing with someone who has a goal, an idea in his mind with no actual technical sense. And then, yeah, you know, like how, how many... How often does that happen? Yeah. How often does that happen where someone goes, "You didn't do what I thought it was going to do," like, or they fail, like they failed the head. The head fails, and it's not even something we touched, right? Like I had a Honda guy who uh, he wrecked the cam journals. I'm like, we don't even we don't put cams in them. Like I don't know. Like how am I supposed to know that? He's like, "Oh, you're not going to own it. I'm not going to own. Yeah, I'm not going to own." That was like part of your that's your head. That was part of your assembly. Like, you assembled that. Yeah. I didn't assemble that. So, like, when you have to deal with customers who are not smart, but they're really keen on blaming, M- MFing you and putting the middle finger at you and, and doing it online and everywhere else, it, it becomes very, um, and it's hard because, like, you want to defend yourself. And then smart you look like that guy. Person. But you also have to maintain, like, yeah. a level of professionalism and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so, I'm not like super professional. I'm not going to lie about that, but like I've called somebody stupid when they're stupid. You know, like I'm from the Northeast. You're going to, you have to say it again, but like it, it, it's a part of you. It's part of me. Like if you're dumb, you're going to, you're going to know that I think you're dumb. You're not. Closing out the, I feel like obviously your, your, your field is very specialized. And um, is there, do you have like intellectual property theft of people stealing your design or your ports, so to say? Can Is that is that We've a thing had that. in that world? We've had that. In the Middle East, there was a guy who actually, like he posted that it was a head games port. Like showed a CNC machine, showed it was his port. It was, well, a head games port. And then he actually told me how, because I was able through some other Middle Eastern customers, we were able to talk. And I was sitting there calling him a no talent asshole. And he was like, oh, I only steal the best ones. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I just want to fly over there and just beat you. <laughs> but how, how far can that really get you? Because yeah. head games is an experience. That's what I, I've learned to come from that is that we offer a customer service. We offer intelligence on all ends aspects of that. So like say you took my port. You don't have my valve job. 
you don't know how I blend it. You, there's so many elements to go to the rest of the combination. It's not just one thing. So they can steal the one thing, but they couldn't steal the show. Right. So it's, at the end of the day, it's like it's like artwork, right? Absolutely. Not, not, I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. That even though someone can steal your 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 port, so to say, they still can't replicate the result. The result. Yeah. And they the, can't the package. They that can't provide. No. Well, anybody who is willing to steal. They're just, they don't have any talent. Right, right. That's the only reason why they're doing that. Right. Is because they can't get to that. They're not innovative enough to do that. So they have to steal. They have to like copy your, your, my parts packages or what have you. Like they have to do that in order to try to achieve that same success. But, um, and you know, parts packages I'm okay with. I think that that's an important thing. And I think that people should probably steal those, um, as far as like a proven combination, you know. Proven combinations, and it means that like whatever that we worked on with that manufacturer, it means that like more people are buying that, and I want to see that. Yeah. Um, the ports-wise, as I said, like you're not going to, you're not going to do all that. There's no way. Yeah. It, it's like, I, I agree, it's like artwork. I, I, I'm, I know I'm coming back to that guy with the guitar. That's what the post was about. It was, I was saying that like, you know, it's an artwork. It was a head that was hand ground. And I was like, you know, and, and it, it takes a lot of guts to get there. It takes a lot of guts to like carve something and put it out there and say, that's mine. That's something I did. I'm, you know, and the guy's like, that's not art, that's science. And you can't tell me. However, he's over there playing a guitar, going in a band, right? And you're going to tell me what artistry is? Like, Imagine someone's telling him, it's not, music is an art, it's science. You have an electric guitar. It's sound waves, you know? <laughs> like, if you had an acoustic guitar, yeah, maybe you're talented, but no. If you have an electric guitar, no. So I, um, you know, it really takes a lot of guts to do, like to put yourself out there, to go against the grain, right? Because like everybody's oversized valves, everybody's doing all this different stuff, big cams, big ports, and we do none of that. Like it, it took a lot of, um, but it's all of my experiences and I won't allow people to come to the shop and like, they can't say, oh, I bought these parts. It doesn't matter. Like you have to do it our way. It's not Burger King. Right. So someone can't come in and tell you to do something crazy that doesn't, that goes against like your, your knowledge, your, your experience and, uh, get you to do that. I'm not going to let you hurt yourself. Right. Right. You know, and that's what it is. Like a lot of people. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. And a lot of people, a lot of shops are selling what's popular. Yeah. And to go against the grain for that, to go against say, hey, I'm not going to sell that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sell something that I believe in. It takes a lot of guts. It's integrity. It's important. Absolutely. My name is Hugo. You can follow me on Instagram, Hugo ESR. We have Eric here. Hustler. With a one. With a one. Hustler. Uh, Nine L. Oh, I like that. We have Dave here. Dave, drop your socials. Uh, you can go on our YouTube. There's a lot of informational videos on YouTube, and uh, that's Head Games Motorworks. Go to headgamesmotorworks.com, or you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook under Head Games Motorworks. You can also email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at headgamesmotorworks.com. And as always, make sure... You like, share, subscribe the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Toodles.